All right. Turn with me to the book of Second Kings, chapter 6. And as you turn there, let me just give you a little bit of update on my brother John, as some of you have been praying for him, and we thank you for that. Uh, he had surgery a week and a half ago on his abdomen. They removed the, about a foot of his intestines, and uh, he had a tough recovery. They released him uh, last Sunday night. He went home, and he seemed to be doing well for a while, but a, a pain started to, to come back and linger. So he went back to the hospital uh, two days ago, and they found inflammation or what they thought was possibly infection. So they put him on antibiotics, and they released him yesterday afternoon because he seemed to be doing better. His blood cell count went down. So we praise the Lord for that. So, but we do cover your prayers for him uh, as he continues to recover from this surgery. No surgery is a simple surgery. So we ask that the Lord would restore him to health, uh, to full health, and, uh, and he could get back to work and to the chapel in full strength. All right. Let's turn to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning at verse 24. And we'll read selected portions as we don't have uh, time this morning. As we find ourselves here in Second Kings, and we read Second Kings chapter 24, and it happened after this that Benadad, king of Syria, gathered up all his armies and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and indeed they besieged it until the donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. And now skip down. Down to verse 30. And it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed by the wall that the people looked down and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. Then he said, God do so to me and more also if the head of Elisha, the son of of Shaphat, remains on him today. So Elijah was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. And the king sat sent a man ahead of him. But before the messengers came to him, he said to the others, uh, Do you see how this son of a murderer has come, has sent someone to take away my head? Look, when the messengers come, shut the door and hold them fast at the door. Is it not the sound of his master behind his feet? And while he was still talking with them, there was the messenger coming down to him. Then the king said, Surely this calamity is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Verse 1 of chapter 7. And then, then Elijah said, Hear the words of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a sale of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two sale of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. And so the officer on whose hand the king leaned answered and said to the man of God, and said, Look, if the Lord would, would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat it. And we'll, we'll pause there. And the Lord blessed the reading of his word this morning. As we, we, we pick up again in this second Kings, as we pick up the, the, the narrative of the time of the kings, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in it. Here we find ourselves in the times of Elisha, the prophet. Now, Elisha did a lot of miracles in his time. In fact, when we consider the miracles in the Old, in the Old Testament, there, there are not that many of them. We, we read of Moses doing miracles, right? And there was great works wrought by the hands of Moses. And there's really not much going on after that until Elijah and Elisha. 
And the reason I bring up the miracles of Elijah is that there's a concurrent theme or, or an overall theme in his miracles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them out to you, and then I want you to, to think about what you think the, the, the main theme of these miracles were. We read in Second Kings there, the first miracle that Elisha does is there in Jericho. They complain to him about the waters of Jericho, how they produced nothing but death. All, all the trees would sprout up and would begin to have fruit, and all of a sudden it all would die. The waters of death. And Elisha would come. And would pour some salt in the water and would turn that water of death into water that would give life. Next, the armies of, of not just Israel, but the armies of, of Judah and of Edom would come together to fight against Moab. And they would, they would toil and they would, they would travel and travel and find themselves lost and without water. And they came to Elisha. They had no water. And the Lord blessed them through a miracle. The Lord would give them water in the valley. And there would be enough, enough water for all the army and all the horses and all the, the animals that were with them. Next comes the miracle of the Shunammite son. Remember the Shunammite woman who graciously would provide a room for this prophet when he traveled by. And he would, he would, he would give him a bed and a table and a lamp so he would have a place to stay when he would come through Samaria. And the Shunammite had this son that, 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 that the Lord blessed her with. And the, the son was out in the field with his father and his head began to hurt. Remember the story? And he died. And the Shunammite woman sought the man of God. And the man of God went and performed the miracle. The Lord through him performed the miracle. And the son who was dead was brought to life. And, and it continues, right? And, and there during a famine, there was, there was gathered to him hundreds of men. And he says to his servant, servant, uh, listen, the, give him something to eat. We just had a, a, someone come up and give us some food. And he said, Shall I gather these, these barley loaves to a hundred men? Would it be enough? Of course it wouldn't be enough. He said, just give it. Give it to them. They're hungry. They're famished. Give them what they need to sustain life. And they took these barley loaves, and they all ate, and there was leftover. Next we hear about the story of Naaman. Naaman the leopard, the Syrian. Condemned by this illness, which seek... Uh, 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 a miracle of this man of God. And the man of God would send them to, to their Jordan, in, in that creek of Jordan, and, and he would send them to dip in the waters of seven times. And he who was covered in leprosy would come back whole and, uh, and, and perfect. Next we have the, uh, let me move a little quicker. Next we have the, the, uh, the miracle of the, of the axe head, Right? I don't know if we covered this, but, but there the, the prophets and the sons of the prophets were there cutting down trees so they can build themselves a house. And, and as one, one of the sons of the prophet swung that axe, the head fell off the handle. And it flew into the, into the water. And he cried, Master, it was borrowed. What do I do? I, I, iron was not cheap in that day. It was hard for, for, for someone to get an axe head. And here it is lost in the waters. And Elijah said, where did it fall? He fell over there. And he cast a, 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 a piece of wood into the water. And lo and behold, that which sunk, what? Rose to the surface. And we see the miracle here that we read about the besieging of Samaria. And how there was, there was doomed death. And yet the Lord would then ultimately provide for the, for the city. And lastly, we, we won't get to it. But when Elijah was dead in the tomb. His body was dead in the tomb. And they would cast another body, that had, a person who died, into that very same tomb. And it says that when the body of this dead person would touch 
the corpse or the bones of Elisha, what happened to that body? It came back to life. Now, I, I know I'm belaboring the point, but, but the overall theme of, of these miracles is what? From death to life. Resurrection. And, and it's an important point because here, in this time of Israel, where the nation as a whole was, was leaving the living God and was seeking the gods of Baal and the gods of, of the nations, it would read that one of the sons of, 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 of Ahab would go and seek the, one of the gods of Ekron because he was ill. And the people as a whole were, were falling into idolatry. And here is God performing miracles towards these people. Say, listen, I am the living God. Elijah stood before all the people and said, choose you this day. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. And the Lord would perform these gracious acts of miracles before the eyes of these people. And yet as a whole, we read that they don't listen. They didn't listen. And so I bring this up because to me, these pages scream to me of the grace of God. This passage we read, this story, a dark and morbid story. We didn't have time to read all of it. A very dark time. We see the grace of God. We didn't read it, but here in the siege of the city, the women were so desperate for food that they would seek to eat their own children. How, how deplorable and horrible that thing, such a thing could be. Yet the grace of God is seen here in this dark time. And, and I want to begin to draw your mind to the king of Israel. Here it says that, 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 that when this man, this king of Syria, Benadad, decides to gather up all his army and besiege Samaria, and there is the king of Israel in Samaria. And who is this king of, of Israel? We're not given his name here. But if you look back a couple of pages, we read that the king of Israel was... Jerome, uh, Jerome, excuse me. And Jerome was the son of Ahab. And Jerome had witnessed a lot of things. And Jerome had witnessed a lot of things by the hands of Elijah and by the hands of Elisha. And and, and what I want to draw your mind to is is a little bit about this man and what the Lord did for this man. Because it is a a testimony of God's grace and mercy towards sinners. And I want to draw your mind to to where we see this man. Well, if you turn a couple pages, and and we we didn't cover this. uh, But there, when when, uh, in chapter 20 of 1 Kings, we didn't cover this in our lessons. But here we have a very similar story to what we have this morning. The Syrians had gathered their armies. And in chapter 20, we read that now Benadad, same guy, king of Syria, gathered all his forces together. Now listen, 32 kings were with him, with horses and chariots, and they went up and besieged Samaria. Now listen, Ahab was king at this time. And here is Benadad, the same man. Besieging Samaria. Now, he had quite a force. He had 32 kings with him. Imagine the force that he had. And he surrounded Samaria. And and, and he would send a messenger to Ahab. Ahab, listen, all your gold, all your silver, all your beautiful women, all your children, they're mine. Send them out. They're mine. And and Ahab, would would, would he and all, well, yes, they're they're yours, but, but, but wait, we can't do this and that. 
And in all this negotiation, Ahab had no clue what to do. You look down in verse 12 of that chapter, it says, And it happened when Benedad heard the message as he, he, um, as he and the kings who were, were drinking at the command post, that he said to his servant, Get ready. And they got ready to attack the city. And it said, Suddenly, a prophet approached Ahab, king of Israel, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Have you seen all this great multitude? Have you seen? Have you looked outside your walls? Have you looked beyond your gates? Have you seen what's against you? It says, Behold, I will deliver it into your hands today, and you shall know that I am the Lord. Here's God's testimony to this wicked man. You're lost. You're hopeless. Look what's against you. But today I'm going to demonstrate to you, Ahab, that I am the Lord. And Ahab would say, but by whom, Lord? And he said, thus saith the Lord, by the young leaders of the providence. Then he said, who will set the battle in order? And he answered, you will, Ahab. Ahab would look out and see there the, the, the armies of the Syrians, the collective armies of the Syrians with those 32 kings, and would say, Lord, how? Well, with the young leaders of this land. And, and, and pardon me, my, my fanciful interpretation at this point, but I, I wonder if his son Jerome was there. I wonder if his sons were part of those young men who ultimately would march out the gates of Samaria. And it would read that the Lord would bring a great victory that day. And, and there those young men would gather, 7,000 Israelites would, would march out, and, and there Benadad in, in his post, living it up, it says they were drunk with wine. Oh, there's no chance. And, and, and somebody says, Benadad, Benadad, king, listen, there's, a, there's a, a group of men coming out of the city. And he says, well, send out note, is, is it for peace or is it for war? There's nothing to worry about here. It says that these men went out and obliterated them. This small group obliterated the armies of the Syrians. That the Syrians fled. And they pursued. And the Lord proved to Ahab the king such a great victory that day. And they pursued him. And, 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 and when you read later on in this chapter, that Abinadab tries again. And the Lord proves himself to Ahab again. And Benadad does something very conniving, very tricky. In his defeat, he says, you know what? Let me plead to the mercy of this man. And he goes and he, and, and he, and he puts himself sackcloth and ashes and ropes and, and pretends to be a beggar, pretends to be poor, and sneaks onto the chariot of Ahab and makes a treaty with him. And says, listen, the, the, the cities that my father took will give back to you and, and let's have a, a treaty of peace. And Ahab, without, without consulting to the living God, without, without hesitation, makes a treaty with this wicked man. And the Lord judges Ahab because of it. And he sends another prophet. He sends another prophet. And another prophet sits there and sits by the wayside and, and, and acts like a man who's been in battle. And, and Ahab starts and, he, and they begin to converse. And, and long story short, he says, Ahab, because you have not destroyed what, what was set for destruction, you did not judge the man who was set for destruction. Guess what? His life will be your life. And his people's life will be for your people. Did you catch that? Because you did not obey the Lord. 
because you not destroy what the Lord sought for destruction. Listen, his life for your life and his people for your people. And I, and I wonder how, how Ahab, Ahab went home demoralized. And I wonder how his son looked at him and said, what is going on? The Lord has provided a great victory. Why is there sorrow? Oh, because there, there, there's judgment upon him. We move on. Ahab dies, right? Ahab dies. The wicked king Ahab dies in his sin. And his son takes over Ahazai. Hazai takes over and he is more wicked than his father. And the Lord judges him very quickly and he dies. And here comes Jehoram. And he is king. And we, we've covered the story. There, when, when they all try to go against Moab, uh, there Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, looks around and says, we're going to die, we don't have any water. And he, and he says, is there not a man of God around? And, and Jehoram says, yeah, 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 there's, there's a man of God over there, Elisha. Well, let, let's go talk to him. And he was hesitant. Why? Because Elisha knew Jehoram, knew of Ahab, knew of the atrocities and the, and the murders and all the things that had gone on in that family. And he wanted nothing to do with them. Yet the Lord wrought a great victory. And Jehoram saw the testimony of the Lord. And a couple of weeks ago, we read the story of of the Syrian armies raiding through Israel. And, and, and how they would go this way and the Lord would reveal it to, to Elisha and Elisha would tell Jehoram, hey, listen, the Syrian armies are over here. Try to avoid that area. And so Jehoram would, would, would out of curiosity, see if it's true, would send a, a spy out and they would look and guess what? It was true. And so where the Syrian army would be here and the people would not be there. And they would go here and they would not be there. And, and, and the Syrian king says, say, hey, hey, who's telling the king of Israel where we are? Who's the spy? Who's for the king of Israel here? And his servant says, listen, it's not, none of us. But it's the man of God, Elisha. For he hears what you say in your bedroom, he says. What a witness. And then... He says, okay, well, we need to fix the problem. He says, well, where's this man of God? Oh, well, we found he's in Dothan. All right, let's take the entire army and let's go get one man. <laughs> An entire army for one man. You guys know the story. Gathered around, his servant wakes up and says, oh, Lord, we, <laughs> this is our end. Oh, okay. Those who are with us are far greater than those who are against us, Elisha said. And he opens his eyes and see. And we know the miracle. And he says, Lord, shut their eyes. And their eyes were blinded. And he takes an entire army of Syrians hand in hand, blind men, walking to them all the way inside Samaria. And there the Lord, he asked the Lord, Lord, open their eyes. And he opens their eyes. And there they are surrounded by the armies of, of Israel. And the king, Jehoram, says, should I kill them? Father, should I kill them? Elisha says, no, no, no. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to prepare a feast for them. I want you to prepare a feast for them. And I want you to, to, to feed them, give them water, and send them home. What a strange thing. Yet, through all this, here's Jehoram watching the man of God, watching the Lord prove himself from a young age to, to when he sat on the throne, over and over, and here he finds himself in the very similar predicament. Here he is in the city, besieged by the Syrians, and things were getting desperate. Things were getting hard. 
a head of a donkey was sold for 80 pieces of silver. And it says that, that, that for, for a small amount of, of what they call bird droppings, or dove droppings, which is actually seeds, bird seeds, for five shekels. And we read the story, the, the portion about the women eating their children. And, and, and him in his despair, it says that he tears his clothes. And as he walks by, the people look and see that he's wearing sackcloth underneath his clothes. I, th- I found that very interesting, by the way. I found that incredibly interesting because when we read about sackcloth, people who's, who are mourning, they, they, it says that they put on sackcloth and ashes. And sackcloth was a, was a rough piece of material that they would put on over their clothes. And it was a symbol of mourning. It was a symbol of trial and tribulation. And here he is, and he puts on sackcloth and ashes, not over his clothes, but underneath his royal robes. Now, now I sat there and I meditated upon that, and I thought about that. I said, Lord, how, how interesting. Here is this man. You're pleading with this man. You're proving yourself to this man. And when things are tough, on the outside, he looks great. He walks around his walls in, in, in his royal robes, and everything looks, everything looks up, oh, look, look, look at the king, look how royal he looks. Everything looks great, but inside, he's terrified. Underneath it all, he's hungry. Underneath it all, he's desperate. Underneath it all, he's lost. And when he, when he, when he comes to his end, and, and everybody sees him who he is, a lost and desperate man. A lost and desperate man. And instead of seeking to the God who's proved himself over and over, the man, the God who proved to his father over and over, he seeks to, to kill the man of God, to seek to, seeks to kill the servant. And, and, and he sends his servant ahead of him, and, and he goes to the house, and, and there Elijah, which, is, by the way, is a very interesting point. There the city's besieged. There is a great famine in the city. There is no food and the servant of God, the man of God, where is he? In the city. In the, in the city that's besieged. In the famine. Where there is no food. Where is the man of God? In a place of suffering. In a place where there is no, no, no great sustenance. But do you see Elisha's faith? Do you see him groaning and griping and, and complaining and despairing? No, here's God's servant. In the trial with all, all the people, all the sinners. And yet he finds himself in his house with the elders. Now, we don't know what they were doing. I, I would propose to you, maybe they were praying. Maybe they were having a prayer meeting. Maybe they were seeking to the Lord, what comes next? And while they were there, gathered together, there we read that the Lord reveals to them, Hey, listen, Jehoram wants your head. Jehoram wants your head. And he says, well, look at the son of this murderer. He comes to seek my head. And he gives them instruction. Listen, when that servant comes, because usually they send the servant ahead of time to do the deed before the king gets there. He says, you keep him at the door and you shut the door and you leave him there. And he says, when the king arrives, we'll talk. And, and, and I find interesting the words of the king. He says, he gathers there. He listen, is this calamity not of the Lord? Why should I wait for the Lord? I, I, I find it Appalling that here this man in his unbelief could recognize the work, the handiwork of God, of God trying to get your attention, and instead of falling down on his knees and pleading in repentance and in humility, 
He's saying, why is God doing this to me? Why is God not, why is God not, 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 not taking care of his people? Isn't that like the world today? Isn't that like the world today? Listen, when things in this country are wonderful, you talk to them and say, hey, listen, it's God who's blessing this country. Oh, there, there is no God. When, when the economy is great and things are prosperous, you talk to people about God and they say, oh, that's just folly. It's, it's our hard work and our labor. When there's blessing, it's because we've done it with our own hands. And it's our own fingers that, 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 that gives us success in life. And God, if there's tragedy in this place, what's the first thing people cry out? Oh, where's God? Where is he? How could he allow to do how could he allow nine eleven? How could he allow such a thing to happen in this wonderful country? Where is he? How could he allow such a thing? If there is a God, why would he allow such a thing? Yet yet when things are, are, are kind and blessed, and the Lord reigns reigns on the unrighteous as he does the righteous, and there's there's growth and prosper, there is no recognition of the Lord. But when things are tough, there he is. Lord, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing something? And in God's grace. And in that heated moment of that man, you know, I, I, I didn't mention this, but I find interesting the words of, of, of this man, this king. He says, listen, he says, God do, to me, God do so to me and more if Elisha's head remains on him today. I found those words very interesting because the very similar words were uttered by someone else. I don't know if you recall, but when his mother, Jezebel, when his mother, Jezebel, found out what Elijah did to the prophets of Baal. It says Ahab went to Jezebel and told him all that had happened there at Mount Carmel. You remember the story? The Lord revealed himself to the people and and he went out and he slaughtered the prophets of Baal. You know what what Jezebel said? He said, God, little God, little G, God do to me and more if the life of Elijah does not end today. Here is, here is her son saying the same exact phrase, the same exact verbiage. The apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, does it? No. Far from, yeah. But the Lord in his grace, here he is giving words of hope. He says, Jehoram, calm down. He says, by this time tomorrow. Listen, a, a, a sifa of flour or two packs of flour are going to be sold for a single shekel. And, 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 and two, two sifas of barley will be sold for one shekel. By this time tomorrow. All this hunger and all this suffering are going to come to end in 24 hours. And there the man who... King Jehoram sent to behead Elisha, mocks him, and said, oh, if the Lord would open windows in heaven, this thing could be. In other words, if the Lord would open the heavens and bread would rain down from the heavens, then I would believe you. Then I would believe you. You know, I I found it kind of ironic. Here's this man, and and we don't know much about this man, but his unbelief is is so belligerent. if he had any type of upbringing concerning the history of Israel, would he not know that the Lord can open the heavens and rain bread down to heaven to feed his people? And he would, he would quote such an, an audacious statement. 
such unbelief. I, people are eating their children, and you're saying you're going to bring all of a sudden the, the famine's going to stop in the moment? That's impossible. Listen, with with God, all things are possible. And the Lord judged that man because of his unbelief. He says, "Listen, not only are you going to see it, but you're not going to partake of it. You're not going to partake of it." And then we have the second half of this story, and we move. I'll move very quickly because our time is gone. But here we have the story about these four leopards. Here the city is in famine, and, and, and the king is in desperation, and the word of the Lord goes forth. Listen, in 24 hours, it'll all be over. And outside the city, who do we find but four leopards? Now, I want you, I want you to recall to your mind that a leopard was not allowed in the city. A leopard was to stand outside. And these four unfortunate leopards were caught between the city wall and the armies of the Syrians. You think it was bad on the outside, how much worse would it be on the outside of the wall? And here they looked at each other, and and, and normally the leopards would sit outside the city, and whatever sustenance they needed would come from a family member from the inside of the city. And guess what? If there's no food in the inside, there's no food coming out to the outside. And these men, in in their hunger and in despair, looked at one another and reasoned with one another and said, Hey, listen, if we go into the city, which we can't, because they'll kick us out, We're going to die because of the famine. We're going to die because of the besieged city. If we stay here at the wall, at the gate, guess what? We're going to die as well. But if we go out to the Syrian camp, you know, they can kill us. And we'll die. We'll die either way. But maybe, but maybe they will show kindness and mercy to us. And so it says that at twilight, at midnight, they four got together and they walked down to the camp. Ready, ready to face their end. And what did they find? What did the hopeless find? They found a camp of the Syrians empty, deserted. They looked around and there was not a human soul in, in, around. And they, I wonder if they, they snuck around and they kind of looked around. Maybe they're hiding. Maybe they're going to hide and ambush us. And they looked around, and they looked around, and they said they got to the outskirts of the camp. They got to the edge of the camp, and they found nobody. Well, they realized nobody's there. What did they do? Oh, they went into a tent, and they, 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 they grabbed food, and they grabbed drink, and they ate. They haven't eaten who knows how many days, and they ate. And they found, they found clothing, and they found gold, and they silver, and they took some of it for themselves, and they, and they set it aside. And in all this joy and in all this abundance, they stopped and they looked at each other and said, hold on a second. What are we doing? Here we are in this great blessing and this great abundance, and we have an entire city in desperation. We we can't remain silent. We can't remain silent. We're doing something wrong, they said. If we wait till daylight, imagine the judgment that will come upon us. And so they, they, they left it all there. And they ran to the city gates. And they ran to the city gates. Now, now listen, I, I'll pause here very quickly to point that, a simple principle out. These men, these men who were hopeless, found great mercy and hope in the Lord. And when they had great hope and, and, and mercy and grace in the Lord, they could not remain silent. They could not remain silent. And I tell you, the, it should be true of you and I, believers. Those who are who have who are hopeless and now are hopeful. 
Those of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins and are made alive in Christ, we should not remain silent. We should not remain silent. Like Paul would say, I am a debtor to the Jew and to the Greek. For what? Because of the gospel. Let the love of God constrain you. Let the love of Christ constrain you. Listen, these men would go to the gate and would say, listen, the Syrians are gone. The Syrians are gone. And word would go from the gatekeeper to the, to the house, and they would wake up the king, and the king, listen, the Syrians are gone. There's four leopards are saying the Syrians are gone. And they're the man who the Lord has proved to himself over and over and over and over again. The word of the Lord went to him and said, hey, listen, it's going to be over tomorrow. Here, it comes, here comes to him news. And he says in his unbelief, listen, 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 I know what's happening. You see, the Syrians left all the camp, and they're hiding in the fields. They're crouched down, and they're waiting for us to come out. And as soon as we come out, they're going to come and rush in the city. Oh, the faithlessness of this man. Oh, how wise he was in his own eyes. And, and, and no matter how deplorable, how, how bleak and dim the situation was, he never got it. Thankfully, one of his servants says, Listen, Lord, send a few men. We have five horses left, he says. In the entire city, there's only five horses left. Everything else is being eaten. Send a few men with the five horses. That, that if they go out and they meet their end, they meet their end. At least they're going to meet their end in here. What's the point? If these horses die out there, they're going to die in here. People are going to eat them. And so he agrees. And they send out. And it says that these men would go out. They would not just go out into the camp and out to the outskirts. They went as far as to the Jordan River. And it says that these men would go and they would look and see. And would see that, that the Syrian army, not only did they leave all the tents and all the horses and all the donkeys and all the food. and all, They even took off their clothes and left their arms and their swords because they fled with such fear. And it says, for the Lord caused the army of the Syrians, listen, to hear. Large sounds of an army. He to hear large sounds of, of chariots and horses. And, and in their heart they said, the king of Israel has hired Egypt to, to, to come and fight against us. And they fled. And they ran. And the report came out. And you could you imagine that city emptying out. And they ran and they... Those who had nothing. Those who had no hope. Now had hope. And the Lord saved that city that day. And I want to end just real quick with, the, with this captain. For the Lord promised this captain of, uh, this captain of great unbelief. He said, listen, you're, not only are you going to witness the provision of God, but you're not going to partake of it. And it says that the, that the king would tell to this captain, hey, listen, just, just to keep some sense of order, because everybody's desperate here, I'm going to put you at the gate. Okay? Try to keep control of the people as they run in and run out. Try to keep some control of things. And the man stood there and did his job. But it says as the people came flooding out, they trampled them, and the man died. But the Lord makes it very clear, he witnessed there at the gate, at the gate of Samaria, just as the Lord said, the sale of a sale of fine flour for a shekel and two sales of barley for a shekel. And as hungry as the man was, never got the taste of it. 
Friend, I, I tell you this morning, if you're here this morning, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and, and, and maybe you gather with us here on a regular basis or once in a while, and you hear the words of the Lord every time you come here, and the Lord shows, yourself, shows Himself to you time and time again, and you see the blessings of God, but you never come in, enter into it. Be careful. Be careful. For we don't know what tomorrow holds. God, God is patient and He's long-suffering, absolutely. And, and, and He's long-suffering with those who unbelieve. But every man's days are numbered. And if you die in your unbelief, God forbid. So I leave you with this story of the grace of God towards His people. The mercy of God towards His people. And how He proves Himself over and over and over again. Let's pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, Lord, we thank You, Lord. We thank You, Lord, that You that You're long-suffering, Lord, that you're, you're not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance, Lord. And we see your heart here, Lord, as we contemplate upon this king, this, this king of Israel, yet how you would prove and show yourself to him over and over, and you would give him opportunity time and time again to, to, to fall down to repentance and to, and to follow you, and yet man as a whole would just turn and seek his own wisdom. Yet, Lord, you are patient and long-suffering, Lord, and we thank you, Lord. We, we ask, Lord, that your grace and mercy, Lord, would fill our hearts, Lord, and would refresh our minds, Lord, to know that we serve such a gracious God that does not give up on those who are, who are hard at heart, does not give up on those who are wise in their own eyes, Lord, but seeks to show himself through simple people, through obedient people, Lord. Lord, I ask all these things in His precious name. Amen.